welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Switch it up just a little bit this morning, just a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your bulletin, in your bulletin there's an outline. You're going to need that today. I'll explain that. Uh, what I need though first is I need, I need a water boy. Can I have Scott come up here please? Okay, let, now let me say this before we go any farther. Uh, I stand up here and I am just hilarious every week and you guys don't appreciate it. Y'all need to get that figured out. When I said I need a water boy, Scott works for our water department, so never mind. I don't, I don't even like y'all. I don't like you at all. This, this morning, I'm going to have Scott hold my water for me as an example, so you can just stand back off to the side if you'll hand that. And Scott, you know how I kind of fly around up here? Okay, so I need it where I can grab it on the fly. If you could just with one hand hold it out like that, and I'll be coming to get it. You got it? Got it. You got it? Is it heavy? It will be. Okay. <laughs> Running my, running my example. We're going to come back to Scott here in a minute. He volunteered to do this. It's super hard to get up here. But on your outline today, I want to ask you a question. We're going to do something. And Scott, I'll be back to you in a minute. It'll be all right. We're going to do something that we never do. Every week, I give you take-home truths on that outline. That's what that is for. This week, we're going to do something we've never done at Ramsey Heights. This week, I don't get to speak about my truth. We're not even going to speak about biblical truth. This week, you get to speak about your truth for point number one. So the question I have is on your outline, as we've been starting this Stop the Hurt series and we're talking about forgiveness, the question I have is, who hurts you that God is laying on your heart in this series? It was that name that just popped in your head. Now, for many of us in here, there is somebody, like we're just holding on to the pain and the hurt of something somebody did to us. It may be a child, it may be a parent, it may be a relationship that we've been in at some point. But what I want you to do is if there's a name on your heart of somebody that's hurt you that you know you're struggling to forgive, no matter how big or how small, on point number one, where it says blank hurt me, just write their name. I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to make you say this out loud. I'm not going to make you come up here and testify about it. But, but I want you to write that because what I think we need to work on is identifying people in our life who we need to forgive. And I think part of the problem and what we're facing in this series is we don't know how to forgive. And part of that is we don't really know what forgiveness is. So forgiveness is not denying my emotions. Forgiveness is, forgiveness is not denying my emotions. Forgiveness is not saying that it's okay that somebody did something to me. Uh, forgiveness is giving up my right, giving up my right to anger, repayment, and retribution. And what I can promise you is as we go through this story, this is, or through this series, this is not all going to fix everything in your life immediately. But what we can provide through the scripture is a practical, <laughs> you guys are laughing at him and I'm laughing at y'all, is a practical few steps to forgiveness. So I hope you'll write that name down because we're fixing to pray about it. So let's all pray together. If you'd bow your heads. And this morning, just take a second to thank God for something that he's given you. This morning, a little different than normal, ask God to just open your heart to be able to love and forgive whoever has hurt you, whoever you are denying forgiveness to. Please commit to God that whatever he calls you to do this morning, whatever his scripture asks of you, that you will commit to do that for him.
And last, please pray for me that God would give me his words to speak this morning. Father in heaven, God, we get to come to you as a church who glorifies you and loves you. God, we know that we are not worthy of you, but God, we know that your love for us is so great that you came here and you conquered the grave to have us for yourself. God, this morning as we deal with a, a series and a text on forgiveness, God, we just pray for the hurting in here. God, I just pray that you will comfort us and be with us. But God, most of all, I pray that your spirit will give us the power to be obedient to you, to love and forgive the way that you call us to. God, let this be part of our witness to you that people see in us a love for you so strong that we can love people who have done wrong to us. So we pray for you to be glorified and I pray for your words and not my own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How are we doing, Scott? Not well. Not well? <laughs> He's shaking. He's shaking. Would you like for me to take that from you? Please. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Go grab a seat. So, yes, clap for Scott. That's hard to do. Bless his heart. I was expecting to see this when it come out there, but no, he's shaking like this. I tried this the other day, and I think this is a perfect, a perfect example for holding on to hurt. Like, when I handed this to Scott, this is just a cup full of water. It's not that heavy. It's, what, 30 ounces or something like that? It's not very heavy. But the longer you hold it, especially if you hold it in a way that you're not supposed to hold it, the heavier it gets. I wish you guys could have seen that shaking that he was doing. He's a big, strong man. I couldn't have done it. And I did this the other day at home because I was thinking, how long am I going to torture my good friend over here? And, and I took this out and I set the timer on my phone and I, I held this out and I walked around the house like a dummy with this thing out in front of me. And I made it right at two minutes. And my arm cramped and my shoulder burned. And I couldn't do it any longer. So the only way to relieve, the only way to relieve that pain of holding on to that was to put the cup down. And what I want us to talk about today is whatever hurt you're holding on to, and for some of us, it goes back to our childhood. And for some of us, it's a relationship. For some of us, it's our current marriage. For some of us, it's the way our kids have treated us. There, there's multiple ways that you could be hurting this morning. But here's what I want you to know. If you hold that hurt too long, and you hold it inappropriately in a way that God did not mean for you to hold it, it will get heavier and heavier and heavier until it eventually drowns you. The truth is the only way to heal from hurt is to just lay it down. And what I want us to do as a church today is I want us to dive into the scripture and I want us to learn how can we put down our hurt? How, how can we grant forgiveness and release the pain that we feel? And what we learned last week is that forgiveness is a choice. It doesn't just instantly happen. It's not even emotional. It's a choice. And we've defined that with a practical set of steps in the acronym STOP for Stop the Hurt. Last week we talked about the side-by-side -side comparison. The first step in forgiving is being able to get my mind right and getting my mind into a humble state of mind. And so what I do is I take what has been done to me and I compare that to what I have done to God. And I compare those two things. And what happens a lot of times is when somebody hurts us, the reason we can't let go is because we say, I never would have done that to anybody. What kind of a person does that to me? It's not fair. I'm better than they are. I don't deserve that. But suddenly when we take a step back and we look at what we have done to God versus what has been done to us, what we realize is we are that kind of person. 
that reject, attack, and hurt people. But we might not have done it to other people. We have for sure done it to God with our sin. And so once we compare and we get our perspective correct, the second step that we can enter into is the T, which is trust God. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 5. Read with me verse 43. This is Jesus speaking. He is teaching here. And he says this. He says, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Keep, keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to that passage here in a second. So this is Jesus speaking. This is a time that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And what this is is Jesus had got enough notoriety that people were interested to hear what he says. So he stands up on a hill and several hundred, maybe even several thousand people gather around him. And Jesus is teaching specifically on what we call the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is simply how the world works when God rules the world. Now, let me explain that a little bit. The kingdom of God is not how the world works when God has control of the world. He has control, but it's when God rules the world. And right now, this world is not ruled by God. He has the right to rule, but he lets us do what we want to do. Now, when we become a Christian, we become saved. We become part of the kingdom of God, which means that our lives are lived not how we would normally live it, but how God has commanded it because God rules the world and this is how it works for him. And so at this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount, what, what Jesus always says here is he say, you have heard it said, and then he'll say something, and then he'll say the word, but. It's my favorite word in scripture. It means something's about to change. So what Jesus is saying here is naturally what most people do with worldly wisdom is we act one way, but if you are a follower of mine, if you are a part of my kingdom, you're going to do it this other way, which is usually the complete opposite. And so this is what Jesus says at the beginning. He says, here's what naturally do. Here's what you've heard it said. You've heard it said that you should love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That's natural for us, right? To love the people we're close to and hate the people that hurt us. And Jesus is speaking at this time in Israel. So let's look at the context of what Jesus is actually saying here, speaking to a bunch of Israelites. If you said to an Israelite, if you said to a Jew, your neighbor, what they would immediately think of is this community of Jewish people, of God's chosen people. That was their neighbors. It was them against the world. And to them, everybody who was not a Jew, we call them Gentiles, and by the way, that's you and me, everybody who was not a Jew who was a Gentile was seen as an enemy to the Jews. Because throughout their history, from the time that God called Abraham to be the father of his chosen people, the Israelites or the Jews have been under attack. It started out with the Egyptians who had them in slavery for 400 years, and then we move on to the Babylonians who came and captured them and took them into exile. They were constant wars with the Philistines. They were occupied at one time by the Assyrians. And at the time Jesus is speaking this, Israel has been conquered by the Roman Empire. So if I was a Jew or an Israelite at this time, what I would say is the people that are in my group, my circle, the people that are safe for me are my people, other Jews. And everybody else is a potential enemy for me because they're on the outside and they could possibly harm me. Now, how does that work for us? Because for us, we're not Jews, we're not Israelites. How does that concept apply to us? And I think we do the exact same thing with people, whether, whether it's as a country, but I think maybe as individuals. Like, I think we all have two circles of people in our lives. We've got the circle of people that are safe for us, that are our people, our circle, my church, my work buddies, my family. These people are safe. 
And then we've got this other circle over here that we place and say, these people are not safe for some reason. Maybe they've opposed me in the, in the past. Maybe they said nasty things about me. Maybe they've hurt me. And for many of the people in that other circle, that outsider circle, what happens is we trusted them, they hurt us, and then we transfer, transfer them out of our circle. I think a lot of times what we do is we treat people according to what circle they're in. If you're in my good circle, you're my buddy, we go to church together, we love each other, you know, all those things. You are my circle and I'm going to treat you good because you've earned that. But to all the people over here in this circle, I'll treat you according to how you treated me. I'll treat you with disdain. I'll talk bad about you. I'll gossip about you. I may even attack, a, attack you. And we excuse that because we say, at one time, you treated me the same way. And humans, we love balance. We think you get what you give. You think you should earn what, we, what we're going to give somebody else. And so our first take-home truth here, what Jesus is saying is a worldly person treats others according to how others treat them. If you're doing your outline, that word worldly is not a good thing to be called as a Christian. It means that you are out of the kingdom of God and you are living the life the way that you would rule your world. So a worldly person treats others according to how others treat him. And that makes sense to us. That that's how we would treat people. But the point of Jesus in the entire Sermon on the Mount is he says, you are not worldly. You are a part of the kingdom of God. You don't get to act like the rest of the world acts. That's not how you are called to act. God rules you, so you act according to how God works and how the kingdom works. And here we go with that big word, but. Read with me again in the scripture. Let's read verse 43 again. Uh, you have heard, it, heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But, but, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. It's a crazy, insane thing that Jesus is saying here. To come up to somebody and says, love your enemies. He doesn't say, you know, love the people that are kind of neutral to you. They're not in your circle, but they're definitely not in the bad person circle. Jesus says, love your enemies. Enemies is people who actively oppose you, who may be out to hurt you. He said, love those people. He said, bless those. Usually that's a verbal connotation. Speak good of or do good things for those who curse you, those who bring about bad things on you. Do good to those that hate you, those people that can't stand that you exist. Find a way to do good things for them and pray for people who use you. I've read a lot of crazy things in the Bible. I don't know if anything's crazier than that from my mindset. To, to do the opposite of what somebody has done, every instinct in me says you do not do nice things for bad people or they will hurt you, they will use you, you will be a doormat. If you do nice things for bad people, it will not make things better, it will make them worse. But you know what Jesus said? He said, hey, why don't you pray for them? Why don't you do good for them? Why don't you love them instead of retaliating? And that's so hard for us to wrap our minds around because to be honest with you, and if we're honest, there are some people in this world that it would just make me sick to think I have to serve them and treat them like a king after how they've treated me. And for each of you, you have that same sense. It's just not natural for us. 
Today we're going to focus a lot on praying. And in, I think it was 2009 or 2010, there was a country song out called Pray For You. And I think it kind of captures how I feel about praying for my enemies. Let me just read you the first verse in the chorus of this. Uh, let me find it back here in my notes. The first verse in the chorus of this, he's singing this song and he says, I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job and you just pray for them. Kind of sounds like what we're doing here, right? And so he records his prayer for what I assume is an ex-girlfriend here. He says, um, I pray your brakes go down, go out while running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from the windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all of your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. Isn't that the way we feel? And this was a smash hit of a country song at this time because it just captures how we feel. I love the first part of verse two. He says, I'm really glad I found my way to church because I'm already feeling better. <laughs> the truth is, the truth is, that's how naturally we want to take this. Like, I don't really believe that God asked me to pray for people. Does God really want me to do good for, for them? Doesn't he know what I've been through? Doesn't he know what kind of person they are and that they don't deserve for me to do good for them? And so we trust God in this and we believe what he says. And even though it's natural for us to reject it, we do what he causes us to do. And that is the very basis of our faith. The very basis of our faith is not you get what you deserve. The very basis of our faith is you get what God says you get because he loves you. See, God didn't look at us and he doesn't treat us according to what we've done to him. God's treatment of us is according to who he is. And as followers of Christ, what we get to do is we get to represent God by living the same way. Take home truth number three is we treat others as a reflection of who we are, not what they have done. Let me say that again. We treat others as a reflection of who we are, not what they have done. And here's who we are. We are followers of the one true God. We are followers of Christ. We believe him when he says that there's a better way than the natural way. We love him and we trust him in everything. And so when we do this, I look at this and I say, okay, it goes against my emotional state to be kind to someone who has been nasty to me. But here's what the scripture is teaching. As a follower of Christ, if you are part of the kingdom of heaven, here's what you get to do. You get to separate your emotions from your actions. And that's a slap in the face in our culture right now. Our culture says you don't separate your emotions from your actions. Your actions are informed by your emotions. If somebody makes you angry, attack them. If somebody's attacking you, get out your cell phone and record them and put it on Facebook for everybody to see. If you're in love, do whatever you want to do. If you're not in love anymore, do whatever you want to do. Our culture says your emotions are God, but we are here today because we know the one true God and it's not our emotions. And so what we do is we separate our emotions from our actions. And that's what Jesus is teaching here is that you can separate the two. You can feel one way and act in a different way. If you're followers of Christ, much of our life 
is feeling or wanting to do one thing, yet loving God and trusting him enough to choose to do another thing. The Bible says that the flesh wrestles against the spirit. What that means is that there's a part of me that does not want to obey God. I want to fight him. And there's this internal struggle going in within me all the time. Which way am I going to do it? My way or God's way? And with forgiveness, what it comes down to is we've got to make a choice to trust and to follow God. So the question is, why would we actually do what God calls us to do? Why would we actually go out and love somebody who's been mean to us? Why would we pray for somebody who has used us? And here's what I've learned about following Christ. Really, in the past five years, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a spiritual superman. Like, here's what I've learned. I've learned that everything that God puts in his Bible protects me, even when it's hard. I've spent much of my life following rules in the Bible because I thought somehow this is how you make God happy with you. But what I've learned as I've studied the Bible deeper is that what God does is he says, don't do this thing because this thing will hurt you. And even though it may be hard, do it this way because this is the way that I designed you. So even in my hurt, my way would be to be strike back. But God's way is to love back. And I don't understand. I don't understand how it's better. I know some of your stories, guys. I know how bad it is. And I can't sit here and tell you exactly how God is going to do something, but I trust when he says that it is better, that it is better, because I trust him. Have any of you guys ever seen that old movie, 1984? So we're going to show your age. The Karate Kid? How many of you seen that? Let me see a hand if you've seen The Karate Kid. Very good. i got a picture coming up here of The Karate Kid. Uh, in the Karate Kid, there's a young boy named Daniel. He's, he's bullied at school, and he comes up on this karate master, Mr. Miyagi, and that's the two of them there. And he goes to Mr. Miyagi, and he sees his skills as a karate master. He says, I want you to treat, teach me those, because here in a little bit, I'm going to, like, you know, go on somebody. And Mr. Miyagi says, okay, I will teach you everything that you need to know. Everything that you need to know. There's only one rule. You do what I say and you don't ask questions. And Daniel's like, yeah, let's do it. When do we get to the... Mm, let's do it. And Mr. Miyagi hands him a sponge. He says, wash my car. Daniel's like, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm, what does that have to do with learning karate? And Mr. Miyagi goes, I did it. No questions. Wash my car. And it's the famous line. You guys know it. You guys know where I'm going with this. Right? Wash the car. And he says, when you wash the car, I want you to wax the car. He says, remember, wax on, wax off. What does this have to do with karate? Oh, wax on, wax off. And, and I remember watching that movie as a kid and being like, this dude's mean. <laughs> like, don't ask questions. Wash my car, wax it. I've waxed cars. It's not fun. Wax on, wax off. But what you learn from the master, from Mr. Miyagi, is that wasn't, even though it made no sense at the time, it wasn't just an action he was putting him through to be miserable. What you learn later in the movie is that action was building muscle memory for blocking punches. Wax on, wax off. And sometimes the following God is like that. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're training me for something special. And so why would we do this? We do it because God can be trusted. We make the choice to forgive, to love the way that he's called us to love, to do good actions to somebody hurt me because God must be right. Now, here's the practical part. How do we accomplish this? Because that's really what the series is about. Is like, how do I forgive? Because it's easier to say forgive somebody, but how do I actually do that when I've got all of this hurt and anguish in me? How do I actually forgive? Well, here's the practical steps that, that God puts in here. His love 
bless, do good, and pray. Today we're going to focus on prayer, and for two reasons. Number one, number one, prayer will transform your heart. If you do not have a regular prayer life, let me just, you've got to pray if you're going to be a follower of Christ. You've got to have a time set aside that this is mine and God's time to just communicate. I'll tell you what I do when I have a hard time doing something. I put a reminder in my phone, and when it rings, I do it. You've got to have a prayer time daily, multiple times daily, because it transforms your heart, but especially with context to forgiveness. It will transform your heart. Secondly, God calls us to love, bless, do good, and pray. And all four of those things, all four of those things can be um, accomplished in prayer. Now, I'm going to be clear. This is not the complete way to forgive somebody, but this is a starting point. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to start, I'm just going to ask you to pray for the person that you put their name on the top of that list. Because listen, in prayer, what happens is I get to go to God. And in this act of love, I can tell God all my grievances. God, they did this to me, and it hurt me this way, and I'm handling it this way. And this is what it's caused me for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. God, I gave you all of this. And even in all that, God, here's my act of love. I choose to trust you with it. I choose to pray. That's love when I choose to elevate somebody over myself. That word is agape. It means to sacrificially serve. Secondly, how do you bless somebody who has cursed you? Usually when we talk about blessing somebody, it's a verbal connotation. Like we speak verbally about somebody. And what do we usually do is when somebody hurts us, we find our best friend and go, you'll never do what, you'll never believe what they said. I love, actually I hate, but you know the screenshots? You text your best friend. You'll never believe what so-and-so texts me. Click and we send them the picture of the things that they said. What God says is, is to bless them, which means to speak good over them or speak good into their life. So listen, this is the hard thing, but here's the truth. This is where we get to go to God and we get to think of that person who hurt us and we get to thank God for them. I told you, this is insane. It's crazy. It's unnatural. But here's the truth. If somebody hurts you, more than likely, there was a relationship between you and them where there were good things. And you can go back to that relationship and just say, God, thank you that they were an encourager before they hurt me. God, thank you that they made me laugh before they hurt me. God, God, thank you for, for what you've done in their lives since they've hurt me. And you get a time to thank God and pray for them and bless those that curse you. And what this will do is it will start to change your heart just a little bit. It'll start to change your heart because instead of thinking of them only as like the supervillain from your favorite movie, you start to see they're not all bad. They're a person who did something bad, but they're not all bad. And then we get to do good, do good to somebody who hurt us. See, praying for someone is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate act of doing good for them. That means we get to go to God and say, God, I thank you for these things about them. And God, even though they hurt me, God, would you bless them? Would you bless their career? God, would you heal them? God, would you, pl uh, would you please let a flower pot fall and hit them in the head? No, you don't pray for that. You pray good things for them. You pray good things for them, and you ask God for things on their behalf. Listen, no matter how hurt you are, you don't have to hug them. No matter how hurt you are, you can do two things. You can thank God about good things for somebody, and you can pray for something good for them, and that is an act of forgiveness. I've lived this. 
And I want to share with you my story, not because I'm a spiritual giant, but because I, I realized through doing this, the healing power of doing what God asked us to do. A few years ago, um, a friend of mine, we, we had a falling out and, and it ended the relationship for a period of time. And every once in a while, about once a week, I'd drive past this place that reminded me of them and I'd be having a great day and it would just all come like, like pouring back down on me. Sometimes tears in my eyes and I just couldn't take it and I'd just get mad and upset and hurt. And so I made a decision and I said, God, every time I drive by this place, I'm gonna pray for them. And, and at first it was not easy. At first it was like, God, here's all my grievances, here's all my hurt, but God, I choose to pray for them. But that grew to, God, I'm so thankful for the years of friendship that we had. I'm so thankful for the influence that they had on my life. I'm so thankful for the spirit they have. And then that grew into praying for things I never thought I could have wanted. God, would you give them a friendship like the one we had to replace me? God, would you bless them? Would you bless their family? Would you take care of them? And what I learned in that is that there was healing in praying in that way. And listen, sometime later when I had a chance uh, meeting with them, there was no hurt, there was no anguish. It was just like, I missed you, come give me a hug. And that relationship was reconciled partially because of God's healing through prayer. God, God can accomplish this for you. And what I'm asking you to do this week is that name that you thought of at the beginning of the sermon that you wrote down in the template, will you do these things for them? This is something everybody can do. We take time to pray for them, be thankful for the good parts of them, ask God to provide things for them that they need. Can you commit to doing this for God, to follow God, to be part of the kingdom of God? And if not, what's stopping you? Okay, it's time for an Oakley story. It's a little heavy in here. So you guys know my daughter. This tall, as cute as she can be, sometimes rushes the stage when I'm preaching. We're working on that. Sorry about that. So she was watching this show called Daniel Tiger. And uh, Daniel Tiger is an adaptation of something from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's aimed at, it's aimed at like preschool-aged kids. And so it's trying to teach them social skills and how to handle emotions and stuff like that. And there's this one episode where one of the characters in the thing uh, keeps getting mad. They get cut off in line or they don't get what they want to and they're mad. And since it's preschoolers, it's very like simple showing of this character being mad. You know, they get huffy and puffy and say, I'm mad. And, and then they teach them how to work through that anger. Well, uh, earlier this week, it's become a game in our house. My wife brings Oakley in there and she's imitating that character. She goes, I'm mad. And she's looking at you and she'll smile. Mm, I'm mad. And so you got to sing the song. When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. One, two, three, four. And she'd go, I'm better. And I'm like, I always thought these kids' shows were dumb, guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not an expert on children. I thought they were dumb. I was like, kids don't actually learn anything from this. But here she is. She's learning how to manage her anger. So she started a daycare this week or preschool, whatever. And, and she did not want to get up on Friday. Day one and two, we did pretty good. Day three, no. <laughs> Do you want to go to school? No. Do you want to go with daddy? No. Do you love daddy? No. <laughs> okay. She was not okay. And so she's sitting in the back of my truck and we're on the way to school. And she's all huffed up and upset because I'm taking her to school and I'm like got it when you feel so mad and I'm singing it and I get to four you're all better and she just looks at me and goes <laughs> what good is the template if you don't choose to use it 
when it's hard to use? What good is this template in God's word if we say, yeah, that's great. I can do that for some people, but there's some people I'm just not going to do that for. What does it matter that God put it in his word if we don't choose to do what he calls us to do? Number four, I forgive by choosing to sacrifice myself before God, being thankful for the good things of those who hurt me and asking God for their needs. I text, uh, into your family meditation moment, I texted Glenita last night and she texts back, it says to do those exact things and she texts back, is that all? Anything else? Like that's a big, a big order. And, I, and this is what I text back to her. I said, yeah, sometimes this following Christ thing is very demanding. It is very demanding. That's a huge thing to ask of me and you to do. But, but here's why God put it in there. I often want to argue with God, but here's why God put it in there. Because this amazing thing will happen if you will choose to do what God has called you to do. Number one, you will grow in your ability to pray for people. Number two, it will begin to change your heart. And the third one is what we all really want anyway, which is healing. God will heal us. And what this does is it trans transforms me from the victim to an overcomer. It takes me from a place of weakness to a place of strength. And from a place of strength, we can start to get God's heart in this. We can start to see that, that out of this place of strength, we can start to see that maybe that person didn't know better. We start to see that maybe that person is different than they were when they hurt us. And maybe if nothing else, we can see this, is that hurt people hurt people. And the reason they hurt me and you is they're coming from a place of deep hurt in their life. And that's the heart of our God. That is the heart of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus experienced the ultimate hurt. The Bible says that he was there in the beginning, as in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so Jesus was there. And he was on this project of creating the earth and beautiful rivers and giant mountains and all the animals you see and the whole plan of that was one day God was going to create me and you and he was going to place us in that and he was going to give it to us as this beautiful gift and we were going to live with heart in harmony with him forever that was the plan Jesus did that and immediately we turned our backs on God Pff, I don't want that who do you think you are I'd rather do things my way I'd rather do them the way that I want to do them. I don't want what you have for me. And we took advantage of him, but he fought past that rejection and he came to us in the form of a human. And as a human, he walked this earth being rejected by the very people he was here to save. And so you know what we did? We took this, this man, we took God who came here with nothing but good intentions toward us and we nailed him on a cross and we cheered and laughed as he suffered. You've been through some bad things. Ain't none of you been nailed to a cross while people cheered and laughed at you. And yet, you know what Christ did in that moment? Though he had every power to retaliate, could have been armies of angels, like slice them all. Jesus could have shot laser beams out of his eyes. I don't even know how that would have worked, but he could have because he's God. You know what he chose to do? He chose to pray for the people that were laughing at him. And hanging on the cross where he couldn't breathe, he caught just enough of a breath to say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And if we are to be followers of Christ, 
We're supposed to have the same mind and the same heart that he has. Not just to forgive people, not just to check the boxes, but to be the kind of people that can look past the hurt that I feel and see the hurter as a victim of the things that they have experienced. We have this choice to love them and look past their hurt and then care for their hurt. And the truth is, this is the only kind of love in which we can reflect God's love for us. Because that's the kind of love God had for us. As he looked past what we did to him and he looked at us, he looked at us as a victim and he came to rescue us and care for our needs. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Read with me, read with me still in the scripture here, verses 45 through 48. Uh, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, that's the tax collectors, by the way, biggest thieves of, the, of, the, uh, of this time period, do not even the tax collectors the same? And if you salute your brethren only, and do not move, uh, do not ye more than others, do not even the tax collectors do so, the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So Jesus speaking here, he says, look, he says, when you forgive, when you love your enemies, it makes you children of God. Now let me be clear, this is not talking about earning your salvation by doing things the right way. Think about what a child is. As a child is a miniature reflection of who? Their parents. I've started to see this like when I see kids and I'll see them with their parents like, oh, you look just like them or you act just like them. That can be good or bad, by the way. <laughs> you have the same facial expressions as them. I'm so glad my dad's not here because every once in a while I get the Dwayne look. Like I'll be thinking and I feel it's like, oh no, my dad's on my face. Like to be children of somebody means that you are reflective of them. And what God is saying here is to be children of God, to be reflecting of him, we have to have his heart and to love the way that he loves. And that is sometimes hard for us to understand, but this is how we make a picture of our, the love of our father, is when people see the love of Christ in us. Take home truth number five. How much you hurt is not as important as reflecting Christ in your hurt. This is the truth that Jesus is getting at. Like, like the biggest thing you should be thinking about when you're hurt is not how mad or upset I am. It's how can I reflect Christ in this hurt. And that is so hard for us because we have dumbed down our Christianity to where it is about God serving us. Like he's some kind of a genie in a bottle and when I need something, I rub the lamp in prayer and say, God, take care of this for me. We've made it about what God did for us, but the truth is, is everything about our faith is about glorifying our God. If you are a follower of Christ, your existence is no longer for you. It is about glorifying Christ in you. And in this, when we deal with hurt and we deal with hard situations, though it is hard, it is not about what we are going through. It's about our faith centering on him, our weakness and brokenness, but still revealing the greatness of God. And we live our lives sold out for that. And the way that God loves people is that he takes care of all. In a world full of broken, hurting people who have rejected God, this is what Jesus says. So the sun comes up every day and it provides that, that heat and that warmth and that sunlight for people good and bad. And every week, or if you're in Arkansas, every two months and then every week, the rain comes 
And it provides life and newness and freshness, but yet it falls on the just and the unjust. This is who our God is. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives more no matter how undeserving we may be. And he gave to the point, he gave to the point that he said, here, take my son and I will punish him for your sins, for all the things you've done against me so that I can offer you forgiveness. See, when we come here, the central part of who we are should be our faith in the salvation that he has given us. And, and by the way, if you do not have salvation, if you don't know how to be saved, it's very simple. The Bible says, call out to God, the Lord and you will be saved. That's all it takes. And you can handle that like right now. But once we are saved, our job and our purpose in this life is to ref, uh, live as a reflection for his love and grace and mercy on my life that I do not deserve. Here's how I like to think of sin and how badly I've hurt God. In the Bible, if you go back to Genesis, there's the story of Noah. And, and we say about Noah all the time, like we teach it to our kids, two by two animals on the ark and all of that. There, there's a verse there leading up to Noah that explains why God brought the rains. And this is what it says. He says, he looked at humans and he looked at our sin and it hurt God so much that we attacked him in this way. It says, he repented that he made mankind. Do you know what that means? It means he wishes that he had never made us. That's the beginning of the story of Noah and Ark. And that tells me a little bit about when I sin, when I turn my back on my God, how badly it hurt him. Listen, there have been some people that have hurt me, but I have never got to the point that I wish that they did not exist or that they would die. But yet, he chose not to keep that hurt on us. He chose love, and that love brought forgiveness. And we can do the same thing. So here's your challenge this week. You've got a name on that paper or a name on your mind. Here's the challenge. For one week, make the choice to follow Christ. Make the choice to do what he has called you to do. Every night this week, or whenever your prayer time is, go to God, lay out your hurt perfectly fine he wants to hear it tell him how bad it was and then spend some time being thankful for that person that hurt you and pray for their needs whatever they may be and listen to me test god in this test and see well, that's a bad way to put that test and see if what he says works and see if in a week if that burden you're holding doesn't seem a little lighter if it doesn't help you put it down this is our reflection time. It's just a time for us to take what we've learned and worship God and reflect on that and pray. You can pray where you're at. You can pray here. I'll pray with you. But listen, don't leave here carrying the same things in a big old heavy backpack that you walked in with. It's okay for us to lay it down to God and say, God, I choose to do it your way. I choose to reflect your love to the world in the way that I handle my hurt. Let's stand and worship.